0: Hello and welcome to the first edition of the Broken Orbital MMA podcast. My name is Jack Buchanan and I'm going to be bringing you two shows per week centering around the UFC events that are transpiring and, um, you know, maybe the odd kind of Bellator or PFL or or one championship event as well, because we're not um, exclusively talking about the the UFC here. We'll also be talking a little bit about, um, you know, Cage Warriors events and other kind of local uh, things here, you know, to the UK. Um, but we're going to kick off the pilot episode here. Um, this is your UFC 272 hangover. And we're going to be discussing the hangover that we've all got from, from Saturday evening. I know I, sh- I sure have right now. <laughs> um, but let's just, I'm going to dive right in. So let's uh, let's just dive straight into this and um, talk about the main event. But before I do that, if you do enjoy this, um, please follow and like and subscribe and all of those things and share us about if you do enjoy it because it just that lets me know that people are interested and want to see more and it really does help me a lot and it goes a long way so i'd greatly appreciate that um we're on all the the social medias as well these pages um you know twitter and even tiktok and things have resigned to that i think we're just there broken orbital on tiktok and we're broken orbital underscore on twitter so go give us follows there um if, if you do enjoy this sort of thing um but yeah without any further ado, let's go and talk about Kobe Covington and Jorge Masvidal. So let's talk then about the main event. Former teammates Kobe Covington and Jorge Masvidal finally settled their feud on Saturday night. And uh, the fight kind of went very much how I expected it to go. I think how most of us probably expected it to go. Um the, the defining factor really, or, or the main edge that Kobe had over uh, Masvidal on Saturday night was his cardio. I mean, obviously Jorge Masvidal you know, he used to refer to Covington as the cardio king himself. So he knows and I think we all know that Kobe Covington's got some of the the great the greatest um cardio in the entire UFC, right? You know, the, the pace that he sets. And that was what more than anything won him the fight on, on Saturday night. You know, from the first bell until the last uh, Kobe didn't give Jorge a chance to breathe. You know he, he put him under physical pressure from from the first second and you know i think when you look at a guy like jorge masvidal you know he's never won a fight that's went five rounds he has never really been a you know a five rounder for his most part you know obviously he he had he went to five with uh, kamaru usman which he you know suffered a pretty similar fate to uh, in that first fight um and then there was you know in strike force and things i think he's headlined cards but uh, in the ufc you know he's never really been a main event kind of guy He's never been a five-rounder, um, despite all his experience. You know, I think that definitely showed that he didn't have the cardio. He wasn't in the best of shape, I suppose. Um, and, you know, Kobe did take this fight on relatively short notice, I, I suppose. Like, when you consider Jorge Mazda was meant to be fighting um, Leon Edwards initially, of course, you know, that was the fight that was that was initially meant to happen, and that wasn't all too long ago either. So this was put together relatively hastily. Um so, yeah, Kobe obviously was in good shape anyway, despite the fact they only fought a few months ago. And um, I suppose Masvidal would have been in the gym longer. Yeah, Covington, he used that as, a, as cardio, as expected, uh, to his advantage. Uh, and other than really, you know, a I, I, bit in the fourth round where Masvidal did catch Kobe with a nice shot and he did buckle him and he, you know, he kind of fell to his knee. Kobe Covington took the knee for Jorge Masvidal. Um, that was it, really, you know, and he didn't follow up there. I don't think he had the energy to follow up, and I think he said afterwards that he was, um, you know, he was maybe anticipating Kobe to try and shoot him and take him down. Um, overall, though, an excellent fight from Covington. You know, he wore Jorge down and had done what he had to do to win the fight, and he looked really impressive doing it, you know. I mean, a little bit of an unpopular opinion. I actually scored Covington in Usman's second fight. Uh Ever so slightly for for Covington, not that it, you know it was a robbery or a bad decision. You know, it was just that close. I think it, it could have won either way. Point is, is that Kobe Covington's one of the best pound for in the world. I don't think anyone can really deny him that, no matter what you think of you know him or his personality. You know, I I don't like his gimmick. I like the real guy. Uh, to, you know, I think he's underneath. So I don't like his gimmick. You know, and ideologically and things, I certainly don't resonate with him at all. Um. And that's just really cringy, this whole, you know, wrestling heel thing, but it's working for him. Uh, but regardless of what you think of that, you can't deny his ability in the cage. And um, Jorge Masvidal, I think, is a guy who just has never been on that level, really. You know, he's a top 10 guy, I think. You know, or he kind of peaked as a top 10 guy, but, you know, he kind of fell up, sh- uh, fell up you know, short in most of his, his big moments, really. You know, in the UFC, his big fights, he lost a lot by split decision. You know, he had the Demi Maya fight and things when he was... He was a fight away from the title. Um, of course, he beats Darren Till, which was huge for him. And, you know, he goes in that run that he went on in 2019. But, I mean, since then, you know, obviously he's lost uh, three on the bounce now. And uh, I don't know where he goes from here. I think for Colby Covington, there's a few options as to, as to kind of what he does next. And I think it depends on what, like, well, what what's his aspirations, right? And I think it's he's calling it Dustin Poirier. Now, uh, they're two guys that are in really similar positions in the sense that Kobe Covington, you know, he's, he's obviously got the win here tonight, but before then, lost to Kamara rusman He lost him again before, obviously, a couple of years ago. He's now 0-2 against the current champion. And he is, yeah. by far and away, he's the number one guy in this division besides the champ, right? I know Leon Edwards has still got to fight and things, but assuming, let's just... You know, and obviously this is by no means um, a given, but let's just hypothetically say that Usman beats Leon Edwards. Um, Kobe's the number two guy, right? He's the second best. And uh, I think with Dustin Poirier, okay, it's not quite the same at lightweight for him, but, you know, he's fought for the title twice now in the past couple of years. He's just lost again um, there to Charles Oliveira. So, you know, I think for the two of these guys, there's a, a considerable amount of work. For them to do to get back to to the title, the, you know the title shots, but they're two guys who I do think their career aspirations have been to be world champions, right? So I, I think it just depends right now, on do these guys, do, do they take a step back, and fight each other, let other contenders fight, you know, because they probably, you know, I think they're grounded enough to appreciate that they are not in the title picture as it stands just because of their recent losses. Um, Or or do they just kind of get back on the horse and and get back on fighting contenders? I think if that's what Colby Covington does, then I think you've got to look at maybe the barnes Chimaev winner. You know, I I mean, in my opinion, I think the barnes Chimaev winner probably should fight, um, should probably be fighting against the winner of Usman Edwards. Well, maybe, you know, you'd probably give Usman the rematch there. But I I think for Covington, barnes Chimaev winner um, makes a bit of sense. Although I'd like to see them fight against Usman, the winner of that fight against Usman, if he can defeat Edwards in the summer. I think the fight that actually makes the most sense for Kobe Covington, though, out in the mall, would probably be the winner of uh, Vincenti Luque and Bilal Mohamed. I think that's a big fight. I think, you know, Vincenti Luque in particular now is on a bit of a streak. Uh, His last couple of wins as well over Tyrone Woodley and um, Michael Chiesa, you know, big, big names, top 10 guys, borderline top five guys, so... Yeah, Sinti-Luke's earned that big fight, and Bilal Mohamed, of course, has got a couple of wins on the bounce now. Um, So to be honest with you, I think the winner of that fight is the one that makes the most sense for Kobe Covington, you know? Um, But again, it just depends on what he wants. It sounds like he really wants this Dustin Poirier fight. I guess we'll wait and see if it happens, but um, I don't know. I wouldn't hold my breath. I I I think that's a bad fight for Dustin Poirier, and I think he knows it. And I think Dustin wants wants this Nate Diaz fight which we'll, uh, we'll maybe talk a wee bit more about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> for Jorge Masvidal, yeah, he's in a really weird position because he's just penned um, a, a lengthy and lucrative contract going into this fight. And he's a guy who's still living off of the flying knee that he landed um, almost three years ago now. So, I mean, where does he go from here, right? Because, let's be honest, and Kobe's no sprint checking either, right? But, Jorge Masdal's what? 37, 38. Um, he's taken a lot of damage in his career. He's had a lot of fights. And he's fought for the title now twice. Um, and it's not like he had a bit of uh, you know, like even like Covington and Poirier, who we're talking about there, there was breathing room in between their title fights. Masdal lost very convincingly. And then fought again straight away. I don't know what no, it wasn't straight away. I know the Gilbert Burns fight happened. In between, but for Masvidal, it was it was just you know he went from losing to Usman to losing to Usman again, so there wasn't any breathing room, which I think you kind of need between title fights for the most part, especially if you're on the losing side. You know I don't think you can kind of just go back in there and fight the champ again. I, I do think you need a bit of breathing room in order to kind of build up your case and improve and make the fight more exciting. Um but, I mean, so I don't I don't understand what Masvidal does now. You know, because he's just—he's on this lucrative deal. He's not going to go back and fight for the belt. I don't think. I don't think he's going to. I think he is grounded enough and you know, authentic and real enough, or whatever you want to say, to understand that it's probably out of his reach now with his age and with just the fact that he can't compete with Covington or Usman or those guys at the very top of the division. He's not that. He's not on that level. He's not this elite fighter. Um. So for him, it's only big fights. I think if you want to talk about divisional sense, the one that makes the most sense to me would be like maybe a Um Sean Brady is one that I really like for, for Masvidal because I think that'd be a great fight. But is it the wisest one for him to take? Probably not. You know, if he's making all this money and if he's got this lengthy deal, the UFC are going to make him fight. And I don't know, maybe you do Nate Diaz again, do you? Is anyone interested in that? Um, as I was saying say, we're talking about Conor McGregor. I think that's one that could potentially happen as well. Um, and I get—I think to be honest with you, kind of given McGregor and Masvidal's respective positions in their divisions, I think I would be relatively interested in seeing that. Just because I don't think either guy are, you know, is, is a legitimate title challenger. I don't see them really, being able to break into, the, you know, the, the title picture. So why not have a fun fight? Because he's going to be involved in fun fights. Um, so I guess you could go that way. But I, I think, in my opinion, I think McGregor Diaz three. Is probably what's going to happen next and it's probably what's going to make the most sense. Cause Nate is, I think he's still going to get one fight left in his deal. Um, you know, if they can't get this Pauly fight done, if Connor's going to come back in the summer, they've booked this event in uh, Anaheim for July, which is the second pay-per-view in July. So it makes you kind of wonder, is there something big going on there? Is there, you know, are, are we making an event for someone? And surely if that's the case, it's going to be for Connor. Um, so, maybe maybe uh, Masvidal can fight Connor, Maybe Masvidal will fight Nate again. Maybe he'll fight Nick. I, I don't really know. I guess if it's up to me, I'm just going to go boring. and I'm going to pick Sean Brady because it's the one that makes the most sense from a divisional standpoint. Um, But yeah, I think he's in a really difficult position right now, Masvidal. Uh, I'm very curious to see what they do with him. But that's enough about the main event. Let's talk now about the, uh, about the co-main event. Okay, so on to the co-main event and... But well, what a performance. First of all, from the former champ, Rafael dos Anjos, he takes out Henato Moincano over the course of five rounds. And, I mean, as I say, wow. A vintage RDA performance. He was incredible. He was absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, in particular, the striking really opened up as well. You know, he dropped him with a big head kick um, in the fight and, you know, he opened up his left hand and Moicano just kind of really struggled with his pressure and, with you know, he, he kind of struggled to, you know, keep the fight at, at the longer ranges where he wanted it to be. But, I mean, even, you know, RDA dictate, in terms of, like, the how the pacing of this fight and, and where this fight took place and all of that sort of, you know, all that sort of stuff, really controlling the fight. It was uh, it was utterly uh, dominated by RDA, you know. And as I said, uh, striking really shone through in this fight because I don't know why was he a good striker. He's not bad at all, um, but it's striking. I think he won those battles. But then again, you know, he'd he done his best work on the mat, which is I think something that we've always said about RDA. Really, is that that is where he does his best work. He just maybe. I think at times has maybe struggled to to kind of get the fight there, but his wrestling was great in this fight. But I think there has to kind of be, not an asterisk beside it, but I think we'd have to mention the fact it's very important to understand that Haneu Moikano took this in five days notice. You know, he took this without a camp at all, really. You know, he was just, I think he was in Brazil when he got the phone call and he had to be flown out to uh, to Vegas. So he was in Brazil five days before this. You know, he just had a fight a couple of weeks ago. Um, after he defeated Alexander Hernandez, you know he was back home, resting, recuperating, um, not in the gym. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's really important. And the fact as well that this was a five rounder, by the way, this was a five round fight. I don't think I don't think that made sense to keep it as a five rounder, especially again when you consider that Hanato Machado, you know, as a guy who has never actually went uh, five rounds before to kind of chuck him in on five days' notice in the deep end. It just seemed a bit, a bit silly to me. Um, you know, but I, I mean, there's not much to say other than RD completely wiped the floor with him. And uh, yeah, he's in a very interesting spot as well and a bit lightweight, isn't he? Because, of course, he had his little stint at uh, welterweight, but, you know, look at the guys that he lost to, right? Colby, um, Usman, of course. Uh, he lost to Leon Edwards and Michael Kiesa. They were the four, right? Like, those are some elite guys. You know, that's top five guys in, in the weight class, besides maybe Kiesa, who's, not, you know, just shy of that. Um, and even as well, you look at his losses at lightweight. Um, you know, before then, over, the, you know, Ferguson and Eddie Alvarez and things, and you have to go back to all the way to Khabib Nurmagomedov, but everyone that I just listed off there, all seven of those names are has only losses in the UFC. So RDA has only ever lost to the best guys in the world, the best of the best. Um, you look at the names of the guys he's beaten as well? You know, Cowboy Cerrone, of course. Who he, uh, what a performance that was when he defended his title. Obviously, Anthony Pettis, uh, Robbie Lawler as well, Kevin Lee. Um, and now, obviously, he's got two in a row here. Back at lightweight. I mean, obviously, this one was a 160. catch weight but back at lightweight. Uh, is RD in the title picture? Not quite, but he's, he's just about there. Right? And he never really... You know, he's never been outside the top 10, as I'm saying. You know, you look at the guys that he loses to, no matter what weight class. Um, so yeah, RDA is relevant. And he has some really, really good options as well. I think the most, the one that makes the most sense here, genuinely, I think, is Dustin Poirier. I think that's the fight that makes the most sense. Poirier now, uh, of course, just lost uh, to Charles Oliveira, as we mentioned. I think he's in a, a spot right now where if he does want to get back to the belt, if he wants to fight for the belt, He's going to have to go and beat a contender and he's going to have to beat a guy who's maybe not quite in the top five yet But is just about there and RDA is riding the two-fight win streak and he's looking great and I think this fight would be so much fun. What a matchup this would be but I don't think he's going to take it. Eh, Poirier that is. And I think there's a matchup that might actually eclipse it and that would maybe be RDA and Michael Chandler. Because of the wrestling as well. I think that would be really fun. Um, Again, I think that one makes a lot of sense. The only issue though is I think Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson. It's not done or anything, but I think the UFC do want to make that one happen. So if that happens, RDE Dustin Poirier to me makes a ton of sense. I'd love to see him against either of those two guys. I think maybe you could rebook the the Fazeev fight. You know, it would make a little bit of sense. I think Islam Akachev, of course, people are talking about that, but... I think him and Benio Darius is probably the fight that... Well, I don't know if it has to happen. Um, I think you could you could arguably give Makachev a title fight. And to be honest with you, he probably should be just be doing that anyway Um, at this point. But it sounds like they're going to punish him for uh, playing with him and and not taking this fight. Um, But yeah, I think for RDA, Pori or Chandler, for me, would make the most sense. Hopefully we see that, because that would be it. Or one of those, because that would be so much fun. And as for Hanato and Waikano, I think in a very similar position... To Bobby Green, who of course won on the same card at the UFC 271. Got a nice, big, emphatic finish. Um, not finish, you know, emphatic performance. I don't think he finished him, did he? I can't remember. I don't think he did, but he looked great. Um, yeah, Bobby Green looked great that night. Comes in and takes a fight with Islam Makhachev, one of the top five guys in the world. Maybe the most feared man in MMA. <laughs> you know, um, takes that fight on really short notice uh of course loses but like i still think we need to treat bobby green like we you know we commend him for taking that fight but we don't treat it like he's lost you know and i felt really bad for him because i know not only that we don't treat it like he's lost but it, it, that shouldn't hurt his stock too much if you get what i mean like and i felt bad for him because he just got a big one bobby green's been a nearly man his kind of whole career right in the sense that he's always been like a t- top contender you know he's Maybe just being shy, and then he goes through you know slumps where he, he's fighting guys who are not ranked, and he you know he's outside of the well outside of the top twenty fighters in the world. But now he's back, and I think he's a legitimate guy who should be looking to break into the top fifteen and and this and that. And then he he gets this fight with Islam Makachev on short notice, a guy who you know he shouldn't have been in there with. You know we wouldn't be matchmaking that at all, right? I think Bobby Green should be fighting a guy who's in the top fifteen. Uh, not a guy who's in the top five. So I think for Jaral for Maikano it's a similar position, right? We don't hurt stock too much. He took this on five days' notice. He's a gangster, right? He stepped up and, uh, you know, took a massive fight on, on five days' notice. And again, I think we need to commend him for that. And I think we kind of treat him still, not as if he's, you know, he's, this fight hasn't happened, but we don't hurt, hurt stock. You know, he was still coming off of a big one over Alexander Hernandez. I think that's the important thing to remember, right? So we treat him like he's on his 2 fight win streak. That's what I mean. Um, and yeah, I think for Hannah Moikano, a guy in the top 15 as well. I think Brad radell's one I really want to see. I think there's an interesting, an interesting fight there. Um, obviously, Brad, Brad Riddell as well. I'm pretty sure he's coming off a loss. So I'd like to see that one. If they can make that happen, that would be great. Um, yeah, let's talk now about the, uh, the featured bout of, of the main card, which was pretty something as well. So the th- Arkansas native thug nasty Bryce Mitchell, he extended his perfect professional records to fifteen and oh, racking up his fifth no sixth win, sorry, in the UFC. And uh he, yeah, we, defeating Edson Barbosa in an utterly dominant fashion. And uh, the, the interesting part about the you know, this fight and the, the, the top two on the card is that the grappling Really, the definitive factor. The wrestling, in particular, as well. Bryce Mitchell's wrestling tonight or last night, sorry, um, was really good. And again, another fight in which kind of went the way that I thought it would. And I know a lot of people were, you know, saying, "Oh, you know, Edson Barbosa here as an underdog's pretty nice," and um, you know that it's, uh, you know, Edson could win that fight. And of course, he could. But I did think it was really quite likely that you'd end up on the mat. And if you end up on the mat with Bryce Mitchell. I don't think there's many people who would be able to, you know, get back up or, or really, you know, win the fight from that position or win around from that position, you know, and nobody's done it yet. I mean, he's just so dominating. It's, he's, he's, it's like his um. and when he gets on the mat, right, like he is relentless in his pursuit of a submission. He doesn't let up. He doesn't stop. Like he he's taking you down. He's not taking you down, you know, to to get positions, or he's not taking you down um, for those reasons. He's taking you down because he wants to submit you. Right, this guy just wants to submit you. That's his. Uh, that's why. That's why he's fighting. You know, what it looks like that's why he does this because he, he he wants to do that. Um, he will not stop. I mean, that fight with Charles Hosa that happened uh, at UFC two forty nine. How Charles Hosa Got went the distance. How he got out of that fight without tapping to me is is one of the most incredible things I think I've ever seen in this sport. And I've seen a lot of seen a lot of fights. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was just incredible. Bryce Mitchell, you know, he even dropped him with a left hand, of course. And that's really how he got him to the feet. Sorry, got him uh, to the ground in in the first instance. But from then on, um, utterly dominated him. Just doing what he does, being this uh, incredible grappler, and. Um, yeah, even scoring a 30-25 a decision on one of the cards. So that, that tells you right there just how effective his grappling was in that fight with Edson Barbosa, and he needs a big fight next. He needs a big fight. And featherweight is an interesting one, because initially I think you're drawn to the likes of Movsar, Evloev and Ilya Topuria, who now have got respective other opponents. Um, I think Tapuria's fighting Jai Herbert, and I can't remember who Evloev's fighting, but he's got a fight. Um, I'd like to see the two get matched up again, though, if they win, which I think they will. I think keep that fight. There's obviously the likes of maybe Ryan Hall, but, you know, I think Ryan Hall as well. Um, you know, he's coming off of a loss, which I think is also pretty important to to consider. You know, Bryce Mitchell needs a big fight right now. Um, no, I, I, he's not coming off a loss. He beat Derek Minner, didn't he? <laughs> right, okay, well, he beat Derek Minner um, at the end of last year. Sorry, uh, that completely escaped me. Um Yeah, I I don't think still, you know, Bryce Mitchell needs a top 10 guy now. Edson was just outside the top 10. If not, he was probably like the number 10 guy. Give him a top 10 opponent. And I think the fight that makes the most sense, I tell you what, I'm not opposed to a fight with like a Brian Ortega, maybe Chan Sung Young if he loses against um, Alexander Volkanovsky. I think that fight actually is probably the one that makes the most sense. But I'm just going to say the Arnold Allen, Dan Hooker winner, because that's happening next week. Yeah, that's happening next week. I think maybe the winner of that, I think Arnold Allen also, though, if he can win that, is in need of a big fight, um, which is an issue. Like, I think he needs to go... Arnold Allen should be fighting a top five guy. Bryce Mitchell, maybe not quite a top five guy yet, if you get me. Um, But it's not a bad outcome. So I'm going to see, yeah, why not? Arnold Allen, if uh, if he can defeat Dan Hooker. Or Dan Hooker if he can defeat Arnold and I think that makes that makes sense too for Bryce Mitchell. As much as I want to see him in there with against a or an Evloev. Really test his grappling skills, and i tell you what, that's a fight. A fight with one of those guys. I mean you throw Ryan Hall into the mix as well. Imagine like a four man tournament of those dudes. Uh, just you know, MMA fights, right? Because, you know, but they, they would be grappling. Um yeah, let's do that. That's a good idea. I think we should just do the do the four man tournament. Uh, if we move on now and have a look at the the next fight on the card, it was Kevin Holland and Alex Oliveira. I had to double-check because I forgot. And, yeah, another fight that really kind of went... I'm looking at these fights here. A lot of these went the way you think... I think, you know, most of us would have expected. I, I don't think anyone really thought Kevin Holland was going to wipe the floor with Alex Oliveira. Uh, maybe, maybe he did, and obviously, you know, he did knock him out in the second round. Um but Alex Oliveira put him under pressure in the first, and that's exactly what I thought he was because he what, what I thought he'd do because he's wild, um, he's a bit mad, you know. And uh, he, he did cause Kevin Holland some problems in the first. Uh, obviously, Holland comes out and knocks him out in the second, which I think again most of us probably expect him to do. You know, he's just got that power, that power edge. And I was a little maybe concerned with Kevin Holland coming in to this fight at welterweight because he's he's not big middleweight, but he's a, he's a middleweight. He's quite lean, I suppose, for a middleweight. weight. But yeah, I was, you know, it's not a 10-pound gap either. It's a 15-pound gap, of course. So I was a little concerned with with how he would look coming in here, but yeah, he, he looked good. Kevin Holland looked good. He looked in shape. Um obviously he fought a really good fight and got the win. And yeah, now he's you know, he's doing his thing. So that's interesting. Uh Kevin Holland is a, is a player at 170 to consider. Um he did call out Cowboy Cerrone because he obviously defeated Cowboy Oliveira. Uh, resounding no to that. I mean, Kevin Holland is a guy who should be looking to climb the welterweight rankings. Don't throw him in there with Cowboy Cerrone who's a layup for him. Who's a, you know, a guy who's probably a lightweight. Um, should be a lightweight. Yeah, don't do that. I think for Kevin Holland, I've got a great fight for this one. What about a rematch with Jeff of Steel Neal? They fought before... They made it to the UFC, of course. Now look at them. They've made it. Two guys are... Kevin Holland probably will be ranked after this. Jeff Neal's in the rankings. Um, Yeah, make that fight. That's a good fight. I'd love to see that one. And I think, you know, it's got a bit of a storyline behind it. Rematch, but there's a good few fights. Ponzinibbio, who I mentioned earlier, decent option for Kevin Holland. Sean Brady, who I mentioned earlier, probably deserves a, a, you know, a guy who's in that top kind of five range, but still an interesting option Uh, for Alex Oliveira. Uh, I, I think for him, you know, he probably should just be fighting a guy who's, you know, a veteran on, in the welterweight to roster, a guy who's had a few fights, you know. I, I don't think it really matters who you match him up against next. Um, and then the, the final fight, or the, the first fight, rather, I guess, from the, the main card was Sergei Spivak and Greg Hardy. And again, another fight which went exactly the way I thought it was going to go. I did give Greg Hardy a little window of hope for this one because he does have some really good attributes for a heavyweight in terms of like his athleticism and his speed, his hand speed's pretty good. Um, you know, but he's just getting to the point now where he's like, you know, that's when I was watching him on the contender series and watching him in his fights before then, you know, you kind of get to the UFC and so, you know, you need to be a lot better than have fast hands. You, know, you can't just rely on having quick hands, uh, <laughs> you know, and guy like Circus Pivak, though. So. Of course, Tom Aspinall's hand speed and, and his movement and things. Not that Greg Hardy moves like Tom Aspinall, but, you know, he's got... You know what I mean? He's got the fast hands that Aspinall used to knock out Sergei Spivak. But, um, yeah, it went exactly the way I thought it would in the sense that as soon as this fight hit the mat, uh, yeah, Sergei Spivak was going to finish him because he's... You know, what is he? polar Bear, as his nickname? He's a bear. He's a bear of a man. And Greg Hardy has been fighting for a couple of years. Well, not a couple of years, but a few years. Um... Point is, is that, yeah, Sergei Spivak was going to win. I got plus money on that. I don't know if anyone else did. I got plus money on Sergei Spivak to finish Greg Hardy uh, in this fight. As soon as this fight hit the mat, Greg Hardy was going to look for a way out of here. Um, yeah, it's, it's not so nice when you, you're, you you know, fighting against guys. You know, is it, Greg? Not just guys. Guys that weigh the same as you. You know? And guys that can hit back. Yeah. So, yeah, Greg Hardy, his next fight, uh, I don't know, should be, um, I don't know, anywhere. Maybe he should go to play for some, I don't know, American football team. I I have no idea, to be honest with you. But he shouldn't be playing any sport. He shouldn't be active in sport at all. He should just go away. Um, Hopefully, that's the last we see of him. We believe it was the last fight in his contract. The experiment's over. I'm sick of seeing him sneaking his way into my my main cards. (laughs) Can we just leave him alone? Don't go anywhere near him. Uh, as much as I did enjoy watching him get his uh, get his butt kicked, uh, it's time for the for him to go. Uh, for Sergei Bivak, Martian Tibura. I like that one. Bit of a grappling fight. Uh, Tybura's kind of, you know, he's in a good spot. I think Sergei Bivak, you know, he lost to Tom Aspinall. Uh, Tom Aspinall's, you know, a guy who's looking up the ladder and is, you know, fighting now to be a top five guy. Really, he's probably one or two fights away from a title shot, as it stands. So. Like, we, we understand and we appreciate that, okay, we've Bivak did lose that fight, but he lost to a legitimate guy, so I don't think we um, we treat him too harshly. I think we'll give him a, a Marston-type era. That's a good fight. And, um, yeah, that 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 was all for the main card. Some other talking points then. Jalen Turner and Jamie Malarkey. That was a great fight as well. This card was great, and this card was good on paper in terms of the, the quality of the fights. Maybe not. It's maybe missing the title fight at the top, obviously, but other than that, like, very good card. Jalen Turner defeats Jamie Malarkey. Great fight there. And maybe like a Tiago a Moises for, for Jamie uh for, for Jalen Turner. You know, not quite a a top fighter, sorry, not quite a top fifteen guy, but someone who's maybe on the cusp. Maybe someone kind of off a loss. Um perhaps who's just kinda of outside that range. But I think Jalen Turner now, the win streak he's on, yeah. Let's give him a decent fighter, let's give him someone who really tests his metal and see if he's got what it takes to hang with the elites. Um not with the elites, but you know what I mean, with the top fifteen or so guys in the world. And this weight class. Uh, Marina Rodriguez defeated Zhao Nan via split decision. Very close fight. Um, I, I had it for Marina Rodriguez. I did. I gave her uh, rounds two and three. I think round one was definitely Nan's. I think round two. I'm pretty sure it was round two, but was definitely Rodriguez's. And I think round three was really close. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it could have went either way. But for Marina Rodriguez, there is no doubt about it. She should be fighting for the title next but not against Rose Namajunas. She should be fighting against the winner of Rose Namajunas and Carla Spada. You know, if you look at Marina Rodriguez and the kind of body of work um, that, that she's kind of put over, or the body of work that she's um, accumulated now over the past few fights, Amanda Hebass Michelle Waterson, mckenzie Dern. That fight was a title eliminator. And then against Yan Nan. it's the fight. It's the you know she's got to be fighting for the belt next, right? Our only loss, our last loss, was Carla Spada, who also defeated Yan Nan. And what was also a title eliminator fight ages ago, or what should have been a title eliminator fight? So yeah, Esparza is long overdue a title shot, and now we're just creating a backlog. Where Marina Rodriguez is now deserving a one. So hopefully we can get that done ASAP and get this division moving because I don't like this when this happens and like clear and obvious number one contenders begin to stack up. This, there's a backlog of them. It's just messy, and it just it means people will miss out, and it means that you know we can't see these fights, and I want to see. This version of Marino Rodriguez that has earned a title shot, get a title shot. I don't want to, to miss out on that, you know? I, I hate when that happens, when there's a fighter who kind of earns a shot and then they don't get it. They have to sit out or they have to face sitting out or, or taking other fights and, and that sort of thing happens. So, yeah, can we do that, please? Um, thank you, Mr. UFC. And Jan Jounan, I think maybe the Michelle Watson and Amanda Hebas winner, you know, she's lost a couple now, albeit to two girls who were probably the number one contenders at the time. So, a little step down. Maybe the Michelle Watterson, Amanda Heba's winner. Maybe you give her someone coming off of a loss. Maybe Mackenzie Dern would be interesting. I don't know if she's got a fight. I think she actually has, but I can't think against who right now. I think she's booked, though. Strawweight is quite heavily booked. Um, so, I, I mean, maybe we do that. Maybe the loser of Mackenzie's Dern fight, if she's finding someone. I'm not sure if she is, though. We also had Nikolai Negromano. Did I pronounce that right? I don't know. I probably didn't. He defeated Kennedy in Zechikwu via a split decision as well. And that was not a very close fight, not a very entertaining fight. I think for Nikolai, um, I'm not going to talk about them all now. But I think for Nikolai, we give him a let's give him Maxim Greshin. Right, that's a fun one. I reckon we should do that. And then we've got Marina Moroz who defeated Maria Agapova, and this was my favorite fight. Honestly, my favorite matchup coming into this card was this one. And it lived up to it. It was excellent. Maria Agapova, she comes out strong. You know, she's got great long limbs and she's very creative with her striking and she's also pretty good with the grappling. But, you know, you'd maybe even argue that Maria Agapova's a better grappler than a striker. I don't know. I personally wouldn't, but I've seen some people say that. So I guess it is a legitimate opinion from some Uh Against Marina Maroitz, who's a you know great box, very good boxer, very good kickboxer, but she's also pretty efficient in the you know in the grappling, and she gets the the arm triangle and wins this fight in the second round. And it was just from first belt to last, it was so much fun. Marina Maroitz is a fighter that. Well, we'll talk about Maria, Maria Agapova first because she was someday I remember her UFC debut against Hannah Sifers really well because yeah, it was one of those ones where you sit there and you go right, okay, this person is a little legitimate, and obviously she'd been on the contender series before, came up short. Worked her way back, made light work of Hannah Ciphers, and then of she was on the receiving end of the biggest um, biggest upset in UFC history by way of betting odds, which was pretty funny uh, when you consider just how hyped she was and uh, then the fight before. But that's why, right? When Tina Dawson beat her, you know that's why she was such a big favorite because she was that good in her debut. And um, she obviously bounced back, and now finds herself in here Marina Maroto, who's someone who, someone who has genuinely been. I, like she's on the cusp of like the top 10, I think her whole career, the issue is that she just does not fight enough. She's so inactive. She is a bit of a pullout merchant, which is really irritating. And it's really hindered her career because she's such a talented girl. Um, as much as, you know, I wept for Joanne Calderwood all those years ago in Krakow um, after Miriam Ropes beat But you could see that night, like, she was talented and she's got it. And she put on a really good performance against a genuine, you know, burgeoning contender in this division. So hopefully for Marina Moroetz, we're going to see a big fight for her. A good fight. I want to see her fight someone in the top 10. Um, maybe you give her the, the loser of the Michelle Waters and Amanda Hebest fight. Maybe you give her the winner of that fight. You know, I think there's options there for Marina Moroetz. But yeah... I was uh, I was really happy uh, with, with the uh, the overall fight there. Um, as I said, it was one I was really expecting a lot from, and we got a good one there. So very buzzing with that. All right then, Umar Nurmagomedov defeated Brian Kelleher. Of course, what a performance from uh, Umar there. And f- I mean, he just he just does what. well his last name is Nurmagomedov. How do you how do you think the fight went? You know, he just does what he does. Um, I think that's three submission wins for him now uh, on the bounce. Yeah, he needs a big fight. Let's give him Saeed Nurmagomedov. That'd be fun. No, that um, <laughs> would be fun, but I don't think so. I think for him, there's a couple here. There's a couple, I think, that, that are quite nice. Um, maybe like a Kyler Phillips. Maybe a Ricky Simone. Maybe the winner of Timur Valiev and Jack Shore, of course, which is happening in a couple of weeks. There's options for Saeed Nurmagomedov, but as you can kind of see, I'm trying to give him someone that's a bit of a grappler, a bit of a wrestler, right? I think that's what I want to see from him next. Um... Yeah, let's do that. Those are fun fights. I'd love to see one of them. Hopefully that happens as well. Uh, we, we go down the, the card. We've also got Tim Elliott, who defeated Tagir Bekov. And that was a very good fight, a very fun fight as well. I thought Ulanbekov was going to win that. I thought Ulanbekov was going to be one of the, the next dudes at, at flyweight. You know, he's going to be a top 15 guy. And Tim Elliott, I mean, Tim, no disrespect to Tim Elliott. He's a fun fighter. He spent a lot of his career fighting the best guys in this division, but like he's he's got a negative UFC record, right? He's I think he's seven and ten. He's not he's not a world beater. Even though I know he I know he came the closest to beating Demetrius Johnson during his title reign uh in the UFC, I suppose. Well, did he no he didn't come the closest. Uh I think Ian McCall probably did. I think John (laughs) Dawson done well as well. But he almost finished him right, I guess that's the point. Um yeah uh taking it Tiger that is a very nice win for Tim Elliott, but I mean, he lost his last one before that against Matthias Nikolaou, so I don't really know where he is in the division, he's in such an awkward spot, he's like the gatekeeper, he's the ultimate gatekeeper really right now, Um, so I think for him, maybe Anamir Albadzi, you know, maybe you do that fight, Um, maybe Malcolm Gordon, uh, he just defeated Dennis Bondar, maybe you do that for him, maybe Jeff Molina, I don't know, there's a couple of options for, uh, for Tim Elliott. Uh, Woody Osborne I don't know there's a few names one of those I don't think it really matters a tremendous amount as I said he's in gatekeeper status so he should be kind of taking on those guys who are trying to break into the top 15 and seeing if they're good enough because he seems to be the ultimate guy who is just good enough to hang on to to that top 15 status and he will beat some of them like Tagir Elambekov who you know came in with a really impressive record so I mean Tim Elliott, yeah, good for him. Uh, he, he's still there. He's still alive and kicking. Uh, Ludovic Klein got the split decision went over Devontae Smith. This was a fun fight, and this was again another. I know I keep saying they're fun fights, but oh my god, they were. Uh, two guys who I thought were going to be like really at the top of the lightweight division, not really at the top, but but we're going to be there um, and making some noise. You know, I think they were three and two coming into this respectively, kind of um, out of their last few fights, and listen. Absolutely zero shame in losing to the guys, uh, that, you know, that, that they're losing to. You know, you look at Ludovic Klein, right, and, um, you know, I think he lost to Rafael, uh, sorry, no, Rafael, he lost to um, Nate Landwehr and uh, Michael Trezano in his last two fights, you know, good guys as well. And Devontae Smith, again, was coming out of this fight uh, off the loss to Jimmy Malarkey, who we've seen earlier. So, yeah, I, I think Ludovic Klein looked great at, at 155 is a uh, Takedown defence was unbelievable. Right, he's got great kicks as well. He can strike, he can grapple. His, his takedown defence was impeccable. Uh, I think for him, I don't know, I mean, he's kind of could be anybody really. Maybe a Mason Jones just because he's Welsh. Um, that's one that's strong, strong to mind. There's options though for him. I'd say maybe Mason Jones. Why not? Let's do that for him next. And then finally, uh, we'll talk about Dustin Jacoby, of course, the kickboxer. He looked very good in this fight as well. He did struggle maybe in the opening the opening stages with this one, but and um, once he started feeling his uh, feeling his rhythm firing on all cylinders, he does what he does and he uh, yeah he, he got the victory over Mikhail Oleg Shishuk. And uh, yeah, he's he's on a bit of a win streak right now. Top fifteen, absolutely beckoning for Dustin Jacoby. Maybe like a Ryan Span, maybe Johnny Walker. One of those kind of guys, I think. I'd like to see him in there. Maybe the loser of this Paul Craig, Nikita Krylov fight that's coming up, perhaps as well. I think I'd like to see him in there. Uh, yeah, one of those guys would make a lot of sense for Dustin Jacoby, but he's in there as well, right? But anyway, that is it. That's going to wrap up the first episode of the Broken Orbital MMA podcast. As I said before, go follow us on Twitter at Broken Orbital underscore. Go follow us on uh, TikTok at Broken Orbital. We're on Instagram as well. I think it's Broken Orbital MMA follow us there, Uh, we're on Spotify, we're on YouTube, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Apple Podcasts as well, so uh, yeah, go listen to us anywhere, anywhere you want Um, yeah, that's all I've got to say, really thank you so much for just tuning in and listening, this has been quite lengthy, I know, but hopefully you enjoyed it any amendments that you want me to make, I'm absolutely uh, open to interpretation and to critique, you know anything anything that people want to see, I will um, absolutely take on board you know, this is for people to listen to and enjoy, really. So I just want to cater to, to your interests as a listener. That's what's most important to me right now in this whole project. Um, but if you did enjoy it, please share it about and stuff. Get people listening to this, because it would mean a lot to me. And it, we, we keep this going, keep this alive, right? This is what we want to see. Um, yeah, I hope I'll see you in a couple of days' time for my Thiago Santos and Magomed Ankhalayev predictions and a preview of that fight, maybe some... Maybe maybe talk about a couple of bets as well, I'm I'm feeling. Maybe we'll do that as well. Um, but thank you so much just for giving me your attention. Uh, I think as well, we will probably implement video podcasts as, as well for, for the YouTube. So if that's something you want to see, if that would pique your interest more, then uh, yeah, let me know as well. But yeah, thank you so much for listening and hope I'll see you in the next episode. Take care.